Willow Astor, and this week on Living in the Pages, I speak with best-selling author Gianna Darling. We discuss charcuterie platters, Christopher Mason, and moving forward with dreams despite resistance. Good morning, Gianna. Good morning, Willow. How's your day going? Oh, well, it's still early here, early and gray, but it's going well, thank you. Are you two hours earlier than me? Yeah. So it's 10 here. Have you gotten anything out of the way yet today or is this your first stop? No, I've done some admin and drove my boyfriend to the car dealership. So Oh, you've <laughs> been busy. Chores. Yeah. <laughs> well, how are you? How's everything going? Well, yeah. I mean, the world is kind of a strange place right now, but yes. um, up here in Canada, it's not so bad. So I'm just grateful for, you know, the little things. Yes, for sure. How is it where you are? Oh, it's been crazy, but we're just trying to look at all the good parts and hang in there together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that's the only thing we can really do at this point. Yeah, it's been so nutty and it's kind of easy to get weighted down with all of it. I feel like I've had every emotion during this time. It's hard not <laughs> So I've to. definitely been all of yeah. them. <laughs> and I think as writers, we're naturally, I mean, most writers are naturally empathetic. So mm-hmm. when you have so much going on in the world, it's hard not to kind of take some of that onto your soul. Yes. So I'm feeling that heavy today. Oh. Oh, well, I hope I can l- lighten your morning a oh, little bit. <laughs> thank you. You are for okay. sure. <laughs> So I'm reading Inked and Lies right now. Oh my gosh, so exciting. (laughs) And it's so good. Oh, thank you. How did you get immersed into the motorcycle club world? You know, it's kind of funny because if anyone in my real life, you know, like my outside of the uh, writing community, you know, if I told them that I was writing motorcycle romances, they'd be like, what? You are not a biker babe. (laughs) And it's true. I'm not a biker babe, but I am a huge research geek and I really love asking questions about like how things could happen. Mm -hmm. And motorcycle club culture is definitely outside the norm. And I was just really fascinated with how something like that, you know, developed the history of motorcycle clubs and Mm -hmm. their whole ethos. They really have their own culture and their own values. And so I was just really interested in that. And to be quite honest, I saw a picture of the model Christopher Mason straddling a motorcycle one day on like (laughs) Pinterest. And the story for the first book in that series, my motorcycle club series, like just came to me in, you know, a flash. And so I didn't even really intend to write about a motorcycle club. And I certainly did not know when I wrote the first book that it would be my most popular series or that I would be writing in it five books later. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Weird how that works. (laughs) So do people in your real life not know? Oh, well, they do. But I mean, you know, they ask what I do and then I tell them, you know, I write romance novels and then there's always the inevitable, you know, oh, I've always wanted to write a book or, oh, do you actually make money doing that? And they get more bogged down in those (laughs) kinds of questions than in asking really what it is that I write. And my, you know, my boyfriend, for example, reads all my books and one of my sisters does, the other one doesn't want to. And that's fine. I don't really, I don't really write for my friends and family. (laughs) So I don't need them to 
be immersed in my work world. Yeah, it can be both good and bad if they're reading or not reading. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I almost prefer it if they don't, just because uh-huh. it's, you know, it's so vulnerable to write books and to pour yourself onto a page. And then when you have people, especially people who maybe aren't readers that are just reading because they feel that they have to because their friend or family yes. member writes, I don't really want them to read it because they're right. inevitably not going to understand what it's, I don't know. They're not going to understand it the same way. So true. Yeah. How do you keep it all straight with writing series and mentioning various things about characters here and there throughout the different books? Do you have a system? You know, I wish I did have a better system. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I do. I, I mean, I mostly just have a friend that has read all the books and she's my, you know, one of my closest friends and we talk and she'll read my books early and see if there's any continuity issues. But these characters especially just really live in my head. So it's really not hard to recall certain information. Sometimes I have to go back and look up, you know, details like, okay, well, what was the last name of this one police officer or Mm -hmm. something like that. But in general, I just kind of house all this information in my head. It kind of feels like entrance BC, which is where the books are set is a real place. And I can just go visit it very easily. And with other books, it's not as easy to recall those details, but maybe really? because I've built such a rich world mm-hmm. across five books, all of those details are more readily available than they would be maybe if I was writing a book for the first time and can't remember in chapter one if I said that the town was this mm-hmm. versus in chapter 11. What are you working on now? I'm working on a mafia duet now, which Ooh. is, yeah, it's very exciting. It's my first time writing mafia. And to be honest, I was a little bit reticent. I wasn't sure if I would actually like writing Mafia, and I don't know why. (laughs) I'm loving it. Good. (laughs) It's so much fun. Yeah. It's the same sort of thing as MC, kind of. A different community. And it's not, obviously, they're very different cultures. Um, I mean, they both have their own hierarchy, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of like president, vice president, sergeant at arms for MC. And then you have, you know, the capo, the underboss, and the foot soldier for Mafia. But they're both rebellious cultures. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of what I like. I love antiheroes. I love writing about situations that maybe aren't comfortable in society Mm -hmm. um, and situations where you kind of do a double take like, oh, I don't know if that's okay. Or I don't know how I feel about that morally, because that's where I think all of the fun is. (laughs) And so (laughs) it's, it's fun to write about these rebels because you're inherently asking these questions like, oh, this man just murdered someone. I don't know how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. And I like those situations a lot. Do you have any muses for Nova and Lila, for example? I do. So the man on the cover, Stephanos um, Milatos, he was one of my muses. And he's Greek and Nova is half Portuguese, but, you know, similar kind of vibes. Mm-hmm. And he's beautifully tattooed. Like it fades into his hairline. He's tattooed all over. And Nova in Inkton Lies is a tattoo artist. So it was necessary to have someone that was heavily tatted up. And then also Stephen James gave me some vibes as well. He's British, so, you know, not completely, but a little bit. I mean, he's gorgeous and also equally (laughs) tattooed. And then Lila, I didn't really have, honestly, for women, I sometimes have a harder time finding a muse. Mm -hmm. And I, there were a few that kind of fit the bell. She's Latina. Her mother's Puerto Rican and her father is Mexican. But I didn't really have a particular model or actress or anything um, in mind for her. She just 
kind of exists in my head. That makes sense. I feel like it can be good and bad to get stuck on a certain look. And just some characters are just so, it's just them. There's nobody else who could do it. Exactly. I mean, some. I think readers really like to have a muse, some sort of visual representation, even to see like after the fact. Yes. And so I usually... The characters come to me. I know what they look like. I describe them. And then I usually look for a muse after that, after I've started the writing process, because I don't want to write, you know, a wholesale person into a book, or I don't really even know how I would do that, because they have to kind of occur organically, I think. There was a line in it, and I was reading it in the middle of the night, where you talked about, I wonder if the good times could be scarred into our skin or tattooed into Mm. our skin I loved that so much (laughs) thank you because I feel like we focus so much on the negative and she just wants to soak up the good so bad exactly I think I wrote this you know partially during the beginning of COVID and the lockdown and the world was really struggling with so many different issues and it actually turned out to be the perfect environment to write Lila and to write Inked and Lies because it's really about hope and optimism and Lila has a terrible childhood you know her father's Mm -hmm. drug dealer her mother is murdered um it's it's horrific for a young girl to grow up in those circumstances but she just has this resiliency and this optimism that never goes away, no matter what happens. And I I kind of needed her and needed to write her at that time because the world felt like such a dark place mm-hmm. with social issues and the pandemic and everything mm-hmm. that it kind of um, coalesced really nicely because I think everyone, when the book came out, really needed some optimism and some happiness yes. because bad things are always going to happen, but... Those little moments should be, you know, those little moments of joy can be just as profound as negative moments. I love that. What would you be doing if you weren't a writer? Oh, boy. Um, Well, I've wanted to be a writer since I was eight years old, but my mother did not like that dream. So (laughs) she really wanted me to be a lawyer my whole life. So. I actually ended up publishing my first book um, just for me. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't even do any PR. I just published it into the void. And I just needed to do that for myself before I went to law school. Mm-hmm. And then I published two more books before I went. And they did okay-ish. You know, I, I didn't know what I was doing. But they did well enough that I was like, maybe if I put off law school for a year and try really hard at this, I can make it work. <laughs> and that next year, I started my motorcycle club romance series, The Fallen Men, and mm-hmm. it took off. Wow. And so I was really lucky because I really wanted to be a writer more than anything. And the safe bet was definitely going to law school. But I just really couldn't do that without taking a chance on myself and my dreams. So I probably would have been a lawyer. I think realistically, I would have rather been like a therapist or been in psychology because mm-hmm. I think most writers are interested in human psychology. And that would have been more fascinating than the somewhat dry legal career. <laughs> How does your mom feel about all this now? She hates my job. Oh, still. (laughs) Yeah, but that's okay. I mean, it was hard at first, I think. Um, 
And I remember when I first started out, I did a post on Facebook and I had befriended some big authors, you know, just asked them to be my friend on Facebook just because. And I did this post and I didn't think anyone was going to respond saying, you know, how do you deal with people in your life not being supportive of your job? And all of these authors came out of the woodwork and, you know, beautiful, intelligent women like Penny Reed and mm-hmm. um, Alessandra Torre. And they were, they kind of told their own stories. And I realized that the reality is there is a stigma around romance writing and I don't think it's appropriate. (laughs) I think it's ridiculous given that love is at the epicenter of most people's lives in general. But yeah, I mean, it made me realize I wasn't alone in that Mm -hmm. and that we have a community that is very, you know, excited about the very thing that can give us a stigma. So I just take a lot of solace from, you know, the really, I think it's a wonderful community and also my partner is super supportive. I mean, he doesn't even read and he reads all of my books. So having that, yeah, having that is kind of like, you know, everything. I Mm -hmm. don't really need to have her be, um, to be on board. It's, it makes me happy. It's my dream come true, honestly. So I don't really let any negativity affect that. Well, I love that you're doing well. That Thank you. Also helps. <laughs> yes, too, it does. It, in those times, it does. <laughs> yeah. a little bit of like ha 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 ha. Exactly. I remember no. when I got the USA Today and Wall Street Journal monikers, and I uh, <laughs> went over and I just needed to see your facial expression just to see, and it was very satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes me very happy for you. Thank you. I'm not above that immaturity. (laughs) Let's do a fast five. I'll ask you questions and you answer off the top of your head. Okay. Go to meal. Ooh, charcuterie platter. I'm obsessed with those. Me too. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Fruit or veggies? Oh, fruit. Last song you heard? Oh, last song I heard. Probably I'm a wanted man. Do you have any writing rituals? I like to light candles. Mm-hmm. I have a candle going even right now. Nice. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite fragrance? Ooh, um, probably like cedar. And one more. What's a dream you haven't achieved yet? Um, personally or professionally? Either one. Well, I'd like to have kids. That's a dream that I haven't uh, achieved uh-huh. yet personally. And um, professionally, um. I don't really know. I don't have audiobooks. I haven't produced my own audiobook yet. That's a dream that I have that I, I mean, a goal that I have that I would like to do. I just spoke with Erin Spencer before you, and you know, she's got her own audio company now. Yeah, she's lovely. <laughs> I've actually been talking to her. So I Sweet. do. <laughs> yeah, she's really lovely. Yeah. She she's is. She's got a great company. I enjoyed talking with her very much. Yeah, she's very interesting. It's just about being organized enough, you know, and sometimes yes, I struggle with that. <laughs> Me too. Well, are yeah. you looking forward to anything specifically once things kind of open up? Worldwide, for sure. I mean, travel. Travel is yes. a big thing for me. And um, you know, two year, two and a half years ago, I was living in France for the year, oh, and wow. I have lots of yeah, and I have lots of friends and family over there. So, one of my best friends had a baby. Another of my friends is getting married, and I would love to be able to go and be with them and mm-hmm. experience those moments with them. And I just love 
Europe so much and I miss going there. So yeah. definitely travel would be the number one thing. It's hard to, to not travel. I mean, it's such a privilege to travel and I'm incredibly grateful I've been able to travel as much as I have, but it definitely made me realize how much it's a cornerstone of my life. Mm, yep. Not being able to do it. I agree. I'm missing it too. Yeah, it's hard. Even just signings and being able to interact with the community that's mostly online. Mm-hmm. That's always a highlight and not really having that is, it's sad. It is sad. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, we have this and social media, but you hopefully exactly, yeah. be together, everybody, again. Well, it's time for us to sing a song. We have to sing a song, right? I forgot about that. Oh, my God. I'm the worst singer. <laughs> oh, even better. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I remember my friend Ella Fields telling me, you have to sing a song. And I, yeah. I think I just chose to ignore that. <laughs> so, so I just have to sing a random song? Well, I usually try to have an idea just in case you don't, but I mean, okay. you're free to suggest you give me the anything. Idea, I think. My idea was time after time. I'm going to disappoint you. <laughs> We're not doing the whole song. No, we don't have to do okay. the whole song. Yeah, the whole song. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, wait, let me time The chorus. Time. How about just the chorus? If you're lost. This is like a Cindy Lauper song. This is the hardest thing ever. <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna botch the verse, so let's just. Do I don't the even think I know the tune very well. Like my, this is my tone deafness is gonna come in really <laughs> badly here. <laughs> okay, wait. If someone starts, I'll follow quietly. <laughs> okay, follow. Sing your guts out. Sing like no one's listening. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay, let's go. If you're lost, you can look and you will find me. Time after time. If you fall, I will catch you. I'll be waiting. Time after time. Oh, we're so not on. If you're lost, you can look and you will find me. Time after time. If you fall, I will catch you. I will be waiting. Time after time. Woo! Nice. God, okay, let's <laughs> forget immediately that that ever happened. <laughs> I harmonized with you in everything. You held your part. I'm so proud. <laughs> Thank you. I hope you realize that that took a lot out of me. <laughs> Oh, uh, thank you so much for doing this today. Oh, thank you. I had so much fun. It was so awesome to uh, talk to you. You too. You did cheer me up. Oh, God, so, I'm glad. So that I thank did. you. <laughs> You're welcome. You cheered me up too. I'm going to go through my day with more buoyancy now. Woohoo! Oh, <laughs> uh, well, I hope you do have a great rest of the day and. Thanks again so much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I really, really uh, appreciate it. And we'll be watching for When Heroes Fall? Yeah, When Heroes Fall. Yes. All right. Awesome. (laughs) Okay, great. Well, have a great day, Willow. Thank you. You too. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Oh, that was so fun. 
Thanks so much for listening, guys. I'll see you next week.